which the film some say ushered in a new era of horror movies. Hello everyone, I'm Ryan Schmelz, joined by Jeffrey Gordon for Box Office Quarterbacks, and today we are looking at the 1996 horror slasher parody movie, maybe, known as Scream, which uh, quickly became a cult classic after its release. Um, first of all, Jeff, how are you? Doing good, man. Um, you know, just started working from home again, so um, today I finally left the house for the first time in five days, so i um, feeling a little bit better now that I actually saw the outside world again. But um, yeah, um, doing good, happy to get back into the um, Halloween mood after doing Jurassic Park last week, and uh, this was more of a comedy, I would say, than an actual horror movie, but uh, liked it nonetheless. Yeah, this, um, yeah, obviously, if, if anyone's listening, we're doing this around Halloween time, in case you, you know, listen to this a couple months from now, but uh, we decided to do this one as part of our Halloween, uh, or at least getting in the Halloween spirit movie, and it's, uh, it's, it's just in a fascinating movie. Um, I kind of characterized it as an identity crisis of sorts. Um, every movie we've done so far, I've taken a lot of notes and dissected a lot of things. This one I took the least amount of notes for, uh, mainly because I was also watching this with my girlfriend. But this was just, I, I really don't know how to feel about Scream. I, I have a feeling is I'm going to tick off Paul and Griff with this one, but I really just don't know how to feel about Scream because uh, one of the guys said this was their favorite movie of all time. I'm just like, I don't know how to feel about it. I really just don't know how to feel. Uh, yeah, we're going to put a disclaimer for Griff uh, but, but before we post this episode, but um, I, I, I do see where you're coming from. I, I think I enjoyed it a little more than you. Like, I jumped right into Scream 2 after I, I watched this one, but you, you kind of got to take it for for what it is, and it's a parody in the end. If you're, if you're going into this expecting, you know, Halloween or the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, this isn't it, but... Um, it's kind of turn your mind off for, for an hour and a half and kind of have fun with it. And, that, and, and I did have a lot and of fun I, with it. I get where you're coming from with that comment that it's a parody, but uh, the first movie scene, honestly, like the opening to this movie made me hard to take this movie seriously as a parody because the ending of the first scene is two parents finding their daughter dead hanging in a tree, slashed up. So... Like, I, I definitely saw the parody and saw the humor in the opening sequence, but then it had such a dark and, like, just grisly ending to it that I was like, okay, well, this is supposed to be funny. I don't, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this. And I think from the first scene of the movie, that's where I kind of get this identity crisis where I don't know how to take it. And, and that, that's kind of where I go for, it goes from there. Um, I, I don't know. It, it, was, it was so hard for me to take in what I was watching. It does go back and forth a little bit. Like there's moments, especially in the end, where it wants you to take this movie uh, a lot more serious than you had for the, you know, the hour before it. But then you have, you know, the kill in the garage where it's just complete comedy. And um, yeah, man, it it goes back and forth. It's it, it is sometimes confusing, but I did like most of the characters. I would say uh, it's a, it's a great cast. Um, my biggest problem with it was just how obvious the 
you know who the killer is from the moment you meet this guy on screen, and then they don't really do much to throw it off the scent because he's such a creep, and that was my biggest problem. Yeah, I didn't think it could have been him because it was just so obvious. And then I was like, nope, it actually wasn't obvious. It, and even, like, the, the plots of the boyfriend being the killer was, I mean, you know, that wasn't too shocking either. There were, like, maybe, like, one or two other characters that could have been uh, Ghostface, the, the, like, plot twist Ghostface. But at the same time, not really. I think, I think the two guys it ended up being were pretty obvious. So that was, yeah, no, it, it yeah. And I think another issue I have, too, is, is you know, we're talking about a movie that's, like, funny but also terrifying. You know, I, I think where this movie has aged a little poor has been look at movies today and look at the horror movies that have come out in the last couple of years where we have movies that have been able to balance comedy but also be terrifying and easy to take serious. And what I mean by that is it and also... um the 2018 version of Halloween, a slasher movie in its own right, where they kind of did throw a lot of the, the horror movie cliches out the door while keeping a lot of them just for the... Because that's, that's what it was. It's, it's the OG slasher series, which is Michael Myers and the Halloween crew, but also still have plenty of moments that actually were really funny and kind of took away from... gave you a break from the serious material you were watching. So this movie obviously spun a, a, a parody series, which is scary movie. But at, at points of this movie, I felt like I was watching a scary movie movie. It's like a parody within itself, if that makes sense. Um, I, I would have liked it to, you know, take things a little bit more seriously. Um, yeah, I, I do really like Nave Campbell's character a lot, though. Um, she, she really makes the serious moments in this movie click, I think, more because she did lose her mom. And then they kind of go into that a little bit of how it kind of psychologically messed with her and how everyone at school knows her story. So I, I liked I liked Sydney Prescott as a character. She was the, the strongest part of the movie for me. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't a big fan of the writing in this movie. Um, I think there were cast members who did their best to work with it, but there are a lot of times when the acting can kind of leave a little bit to be desired, but at the same time, I don't exactly blame the actors and the actresses because they're not always given the best script to work with here. But I, uh, you and I are going to have a disagreement on this. I thought Courtney Cox was awesome in this movie. And I think she's given a very over-the-top character. She's given some very cheesy and over-the-top and ridiculous writing to work with for her character, but... She just commands the screen every time she's on it. And every time she's on it, no matter how ridiculous the scene is and how unrealistic it is uh, for television news, I'm still listening. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be exciting. And, and I feel like she just kind of commands the screen, does a great job with, with, her, with her personality and the character she's playing. Yeah, I think the thing that kind of you know threw me off her character a little bit was coming from a television news background. We've talked to talked about this on the show before uh just this isn't how a reporter would act nowadays how she just is like commanding somebody to go live in the middle of the day like it, it's just not something that a reporter does or just kind of stalks this high school kid 
uh, follows her to a party and is just kind of like hoping a story falls into her lap. I didn't like the motives of that reporter at all. She's memorable, (laughs) but it's stupid. It's dumb, man. I don't like it. Just coming from a journalism background, it bothered me a lot. I do like that she she gets one of the... She, she does play one of the heroes at the end, which you don't always see a, a journalist do in a movie. Like, usually the news reporter is just there to die. Uh, I feel like if it's a horror movie, or they're just there to do a news report and you never see them again. But she actually did contribute to defeating Ghostface, which I liked. And we don't always get to see it. Unless the movie is literally about a journalist, like Superman, or like uh, Spotlight. You know, that those are the only times you always see the journalist play the hero. But this one... She she shoot she fires the fatal shot, so I did like that, from from a TV perspective. Yeah, just like the journalists don't act like that. No matter what people want to think, I, I can think of a couple who like are somewhat like that, but most of them do not act like that. Yeah, and oh man, there was one scene. There's like a press conference in front of the school, and then the reporters are there holding the mic to somebody. And the mic's not plugged in. The camera guy's not there. I'm like, are, are you recording sound on a on just a stick mic? It, it oh man, that was it. Was me. it a TV? Was it a TV stick mic? It was a TV stick mic. Oh wow. Okay. So yeah, I was thinking maybe it's a print journalist just getting a recording. But I don't remember seeing that. But full disclaimer, I don't really like any movie that's based on um, television news, except for Anchorman. Like I, I watched the, the newsroom on HBO and I didn't like yeah. that because I thought it was unrealistic. And our first segment is always, what did we remember as kids and what did they say? And this movie came out to pretty decent reviews, um, when it first came out. And then the, the, I mean, it did not have a huge budget and the box office reception was spectacular. Uh, I believe made over a hundred million in gross domestic box office numbers, and uh, obviously is still a, a, a classic, at least a cult classic till this day. Yeah, so I, I was reading up about the release of this movie a little bit, and they thought it was going to bomb, and that's because they released it on Christmas Day in 1996, which is the weirdest time to release a horror movie, because I'm not really, you know, wanting to spend the, the movies um, on a holiday like that, seeing a horror movie, but... Um, yeah, it did better than expected. It's it spent eight months in the theaters, I believe, and the sequel was uh, greenlit right away. So uh, what I remember most about this is um, I was kind of young when this came out, but my sister was high school age back then, and she was all about this movie. She would rent it from Blockbuster all the time, and I would just kind of sneak in when she was watching it and kind of watch a few scenes and everything. So that was my... Uh, introduction to this movie and um i would say my opinion on it's still the same from the first time i saw it um obviously you know television news news bias aside um yeah i like it so yeah i had i had some mixed reviews about it we'll we'll kind of go through this and see if jeff can change my mind throughout the uh the time we're we're doing this um i couldn't get over that david arquette's in this movie and for any wrestling fan, he's, his name is like, I mean, he didn't kill anybody in this movie, but, you know, years later he killed a whole company, or at least contributed to the death of it, and that's World Championship Wrestling. So uh, anyone who's not a wrestling fan, the story is that um, David Arquette won the WCW Championship in 2000 during the uh, 
what was called the Monday Night Wars, which was pretty much between WCW and WWE would have their uh, mo- their Monday shows, which is Nitro for WCW and Raw for WWE. And David Arquette won the WCW championship, and fans did not like the idea of a celebrity winning like the biggest title in a wrestling company. And it was it's considered to be one of like the big moments that like ended WCW, and then eventually uh, they got purchased by WWE, and they lost the ratings war pretty much. Holy so crap! I didn't know that because I was a huge WCW fan back yeah. in the day. So you can look uh, it up. It's it's a uh, yeah. I mean, you can find on YouTube the the moment it happened. It's it's a very uh, wrestling fans were not happy about that. Let's just put it that way. And uh, 20 years later, uh, Gronk becomes a, a champion in the WWE. Yeah, he won. He, the title Gronk won was like a parody championship. So, like, uh, okay, let's get full nerd here, guys. Um, so, the, it, Gronk won what's called the 24-7 title, which is like a title that hadn't even been in WWE that long. So, pretty much like a, it's a title that, like, you can defend and lose anywhere. So, like. Like, if I'm, like, in my apartment, somebody can come and pin me right now, and they'd win the title off of me. So it's like a comedy belt. And the way Gronk loses his title is that um, he's filming a TikTok video at his house, and, and the guy sneaks up on him and rolls him up. And, like, but Gronk, like, doesn't realize that the guy who's, like, taking his pictures for him is a referee. Guy, like, undoes his shirt, and he's like, what? And then he gets rolled up, and he loses the title. What a second... Who is this guy? He's just flipping mulch. Don't worry about him. Okay. Wait a second. I love wrestling yeah. so much. Uh, NWO Wolfpack. That's my favorite. Oh, thing. yeah. Just both Jeff and I have both interviewed Scott Hall, so. Yeah. He threw, a, he threw a toothpick at my camera when I interviewed him, which is like his signature thing. And uh, that was pretty damn cool. All I have to say about Scott Hall is, like, I only asked him three questions because his time was short when I did my interview. I think every single, like, second he talked was television-worthy. Yeah. Like, he's just, uh, he was such a great showman. And it was like, he had, he had that perfect blend of seriousness and funny at the same time. I mean, he's just. That's what we needed. Yeah, it was just like, hey, that this is why that guy rose the, to the ranks of the top of the wrestling role when he was doing it because he was so just charismatic and likable yeah the that guy's a big man too he's six foot seven i'm i'm about six foot me and ryan are about the same height and he towered oh yeah that's for sure yeah you can see the picture on my instagram account you go to ryan schmelz tv uh yeah you can look at us i mean i'm not the tallest guy in the world but i'm definitely not the shortest one either and he's just he's a big man like it's impressive it's not he's not like fat or anything like that he's just like big you, you could watch his videos from when he was in his prime. He's just a big guy. It is impressive. Yeah. Um, and his son's wrestling now, too. It's pretty much the exact, exact same person. <laughs> All right, now we got way off topic. All right. Um, we can... What, what were your thoughts? Did you see this as a kid, right? Yeah, like bits and pieces. So, like, I my sister would be watching it in the living room. I was supposed to be in bed, and I'd kind of, like you know, sneak up and watch a little bit of it. I, I saw it, you know, in full for the first time, probably in high school. And, you know, 
it's it's a fun movie. Let's just say it's a fun movie. That's yeah, how I, would I, I think I watched Scary Movie before I watched uh, this. But uh, I remember the first Scary Movie parody of this was like uh, pretty graphic, you know, and the Scary Movie is kind of like loosened up after that or tightened up. Like, they, you know, they kind of went the PG-13 route. Um, yeah. But I, I remember it. I, I was always told it was like one of those movies I can't watch. My parents weren't big horror movie fans growing up, so I never really watched any of them. I mean, it was R-rated also. Um, but then, I, you know, I got older. I realized it was more of a parody than it was an actual horror movie or a full-blown horror movie. Um, so I, can't, I, I think this is really the first time I truly watched this from beginning to end. Um, and we'll kind of get my reception, reaction to it as we go along with this show. Yeah, so, yeah, my parents had a weird rule about a, a bunch of different things. I wasn't allowed to watch this movie either, but I was allowed to watch Terminator 2 anytime I wanted, so everything was weird. But, um, it, you know, when we go into this, if I were to rank this in my top, you know, what are my top horror movies of all time? This probably wouldn't even be top 10 for me, I would yeah, say. Yeah, I don't even know where I'd put this. Yeah. Um uh, let's go ahead and get into the scenes. Um, I think one of the more iconic ones comes off the bat, too. So we get, you know, just like with Jurassic Park, we had an iconic start. This movie's pretty iconic. And honestly, I think the opening scene kind of represents what this movie is. Um, it's a, it's a kind of a goofy scene that I think drags on way too long. Um, I think they do incorporate some good shock value, killing off one of the biggest stars of the movie immediately. Especially now, you know, if you watch it years ago, Drew, Bar Drew Barrymore is a huge star now. And she dies in the first scene. But I just felt like it dragged on too long. Yeah, it was about the, the first 20 minutes is Ghostface playing games with Drew Barrymore. And there, it, the whole scene is red herring. Um, you know, before this movie came out, Drew Barrymore is front and center on the poster. And you think she's going to play this huge part in this movie. I really like that, though. I really like that they uh, kill her off right away because you you think she's going to be in a bigger part of it. But um, there was some random stuff, like the guy outside on the on the patio by the pool. He's just kind of there. Um, her boyfriend. But, that was pretty graphic, too. Yeah. There's some graphic. This is probably the most graphic part of this movie because it ends with Drew Barrymore kind of getting slashed open. Yeah. Um, I do like all the little horror tidbits that they have in there. They're talking about Friday the 13th and Freddy Krueger, and I, and I like that part of it. Name the killer in Friday the 13th. Jason! 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 I'm sorry. That's the wrong answer. Well, I like that, uh, you know, I, I did I did think that, like, they, they definitely changed the tone in this scene uh, from the beginning where it's just kind of goofy and that acting's a little off and... The writing's just odd, too, and Drew Barrymore's trying to work with the script as best as she can. And then I just, I thought the end of it is pretty epic when she gets stabbed, and she's on the phone with her parents, uh, and all they can hear is her kind of gasping. Or I also love when the parents show up and she's trying to, like, make a sound to them, but she's just out by that point. Or she's trying to call them, and she's just done. And I think that's pretty great. And plus, you have the, and I said before, you have the parents finding her hanging from the tree and it's just it's iconic and it also kind of 
it makes the movie a little more of, gives the movie a serious feel, but that was also an issue for me because they were so goofy up until that point. And it literally goes from a comedy movie to, whoa, what the heck is going on here? There, there was one um, really nice touch I liked about that scene is uh, before Ghostface gets into the house and Drew Barrymore puts the popcorn on the stove and it's like a really cool timer to you know, show that this is happening in real time. And by the end of it, it's on fire. And, yeah. I, and I like that. That was a really nice touch by Wes Craven, I think. Um, but yeah, you go from this scene to the start of the movie and the, the, there's a weird tonal shift somewhere in there. Um, but pretty good opening scene um, overall, I would say. It's a uh, Definitely better than the opening scene of the second movie, that's for sure. Yeah, and then you get some just over-the-top music, over-dramatic music at the high school, with, and you meet the over-the-top characters, um, especially the two. And the two, it's uh, Jamie Kennedy, and what is his character's name? We have... Uh, Randy. Randy, and then we have the best friend who is Tatum, correct? Tatum, yep. Okay. Dewey's, Dewey's sister. Yeah. I could should have done my homework a little bit better here. Um, and then we get Dewey, who's just goofy as can be. He's the he's the bad cop. He's my favorite character, man. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> uh, he's and then, just uh, so out of place. Oh, and, so and then we get the most random cameo of all time, where Leif Shriver is in this movie. That pays off though in the second movie. Okay. Okay, so they actually use him because all he does—he doesn't even say a word. You see him on screen for two seconds. That's it. Yeah, that, that was set up because the screenwriter of this movie wrote like a five-page treatment to the studios for a for a sequel, and yeah, it pays off once you see nice uh, Scream okay. Two. Okay, I'll have to actually watch Scream Two. So, what did um, what, what was what other scenes did you like? Um, I like. Well, I don't want to jump straight to the ending, but I'm going to jump straight to the ending. Go ahead. So, We're good. Yeah. Um, so at the end, it's revealed that the killers are um, uh, Billy Loomis and his friend. And they're just, it just shows how crazy they are, how, you know, they're, they're revealing the plot of everything that, you know, we're going to stab each other and... This is how we're going to get away with it. And then they start stabbing each other and it just shows how crazy they are because they're both out of breath. And it's like these guys are so crazy. They're actually killing each other to sell their story. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that made both of their characters a little bit stronger to show how unhinged they were. Don't forget, stay to the side and don't go too deep. Okay. I'll remember. Ah! And I think it also made you care about the movie more too, because now you truly have like a hateable villain. Now, because now that you put the the face on the villain, and it's also been the guy who's just been annoying as can be the entire movie. And now you're like, okay, now I can actually cheer for this guy to die. Um, like it's like oh, you always have that horror movie guy who's just like, oh yeah, he's he's gonna be another victim. But this guy's like, okay, now he's actually the villain too. So okay, like when's he gonna get it? Um, yeah. And yeah, no, that, that was, that was, it, that, that scene, it probably is one of the better parts of the movie 
just because you know they sell you on on how hateable these guys are. But then Jamie Kennedy's acting is a like just some of it is just so goofy with his reaction after he's like, "Oh, you hit me on the head with the phone," or he's <laughs> just he's cussing and just flailing as he gets stabbed more, or gets slashed, and it just gets a little wild there. Yeah. So when we talk about obvious killers and everything, I, I feel that the better twist would have been to make Jamie Kennedy's character the killer because, you know, it's like it's this nerdy guy who works at a video store. You wouldn't think it would be him. And I thought oh, that I, was I got them mixed up. I, I, I called Jamie Kennedy by the wrong uh, character. Um, oh, Matthew Lillard. Yes. Yeah, Matthew Lillard was doing the, the wild acting. Uh, Jamie Kennedy is, is some serious comic relief, though. And, and I, uh, the one thing I did find hilarious is the fact that, like, even he was shocked that he lived in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. He's just like, oh, I'm totally here to, like, he, his character is just like, I'm totally here to die. Like, I'm in this movie just to get killed. And he's like, wow, I'm still alive. <laughs> I, I do love all the rules, though, because he, he lays out the rules and he's like, if you have sex in this movie, you, you're going to die. If you're a nerd, you're going to die. And... The movie broke those two norms. So, uh, Nave Campbell's character has sex; she lives. Uh, Jamie Kennedy's the nerd, and he lives too. So, uh, I, I really did like that how they uh, kind of flipped the stereotypes on their head in that sense. Yeah, no, I I was cool with that. It just like I, I don't know. I I just felt like it was also trying to be a horror movie at the same time. So I just I don't know. I it's it's like I just feel like there was somewhat of an identity crisis, and I feel like anybody who knows anything about writing it's gonna rip me alive for this but just i don't know it was just i was trying just sitting here i'm like i don't know how to feel about this and i still don't know how to feel about it um well what did you think about the uh the garage scene murder which is literally like you you literally get like you, you this literally feels like a scene from scary movie that's, especially that's the, exactly the, the, the way that ghost place flails all over the place when he gets like hit is just what yeah so when i was watching this with my fiance um we were looking it up because um you know tatum's trying to escape through the cat door and we we're looking up it's like can a garage support somebody's weight like that or would it would just completely collapse and yeah the answer was probably completely collapsed it wouldn't you know push you up and then smash your head at the top of the garage um but yeah, even the lead up to that, she thinks that Ghostface is one of her friends just playing a joke on her and everything. She throws a bottle at his crotch and it explodes. Um, the whole scene is comedy, man. Oh, you want to play Psycho Killer? Can I be the helpless victim? Okay, let's see. No, please don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be in the sequel. Casper, that's a wrap. And there's like a part where he flies back and he's just, I mean, he's flailing. I mean, it is, oh, I don't even know. Yeah. It was an epic scene. I don't know if it was good or bad. But um, I think one scene I thought was ridiculous was the bathroom sequence when uh, Campbell's. Yeah, when Ghostface comes out of the ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's where Nev Campbell's in the, uh, or Sydney's in the bathroom, and you have the over-the-top cheerleader character just 
like making fun of her as she's in the in the in the stall. And then Ghostface shows up. So it's just two very uh very bizarre things to find in a in a in a bathroom. You would think that there would be better security in that school. There's all this press around and everything, but then the killer is just Oh. Going around that school unnoticed, and he kills the principal, too. Yeah. So you would think there would be more security even after that. And then immediately after that scene, um, Sydney's walking home by herself. You would think that she would have a police escort going home. But I can go on and on and on about little nitpicks like that. Um, i got to turn your brain off to watch this. Oh, That's yeah, no. Point. It's definitely, I don't know. Like If I'm going to recommend this, it's like it's something you watch with. If you're having like a slumber party... <laughs> And everyone's having a couple drinks, and y'all just want something to like to watch with some. And and you have like you know you know like you always have that one friend who wants to do live commentary during a movie. Like this is the one where you let your friend talk, and you don't get mad that they're talking during the movie. You know, that that's kind of how I feel that scream. Yeah, that's what me and my fiance were doing. We're kind of making fun what was going on on the screen the yeah. entire time. And it's fun. It is fun to watch. I'm not yeah. going to lie. It, it, it's, you don't feel like you wasted your life watching this one. Um, like Batman and Robin, you literally feel like you just wasted two hours of your life. This, like, no. It, you know, you, you kind of know what you're signing up for. And you're going to have fun with it. And you won't, you won't have any everlasting nightmares after watching it either. So, you know, it's definitely got its enjoyable parts. But... From a quality standpoint, it's kind of hard for me to make that judgment just yet. Yeah, so I watched this movie. I watched Scream 2 after that. We, we did a whole um, horror movie marathon this weekend, and then I watched the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and that, man, that movie disturbed me, and I had some yes. nightmares. Well, but why, why do you think I've been suggesting we do it for all this time? Like, uh, okay, well, now that you've watched it, we have to watch it for the next movie. Like, yeah, well, let's do it. We, we, we were... We were going to think about it, so, okay, so we'll watch that. Then we have to do a, we probably should do a baseball movie before the World Series is over. Yeah, we got a busy schedule now. Yeah. uh, With Halloween and baseball and all that. Um, But, yeah, like, Scream and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's apples and oranges, man. It's just different types of horror movies. Um, Oh, yeah. I, I would say I'd probably pick Scream again. If I were to watch anything, but the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and a movie like that's going to stay with me for longer. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and when we when we review that, I mean, I I I'm going to get full blown nerd in terms of like writing technique and just just storytelling from that movie because there is just some masterclass in in terror that 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 is just executed with the original Texas Chainsaw. So, okay, uh, what other scenes are we missing here that we need to touch on? think we got all the ones i want to talk about uh what do we think about the first i, I, I do think the net the the, the first phone call with sydney's a little interesting too where she yeah, runs up the I, steps after saying that she's not gonna run up the steps yeah i wasn't expecting ghostface to be after her that early it was within the first 20 minutes and i was yeah. like okay well this is off to a crazy start already um yeah, I, w- I would kind of, I kind of wanted them to hide Ghostface a little more, if that makes sense. It's the Jaws effect me and Ryan love to talk about. You see the killer in the first 20 minutes of the movie, 
then you see him immediately after that, and it kind of kills, you know, what momentum the movie had going for it at that point, I would say. Yeah, they, they definitely jump into it pretty early. There's not really much of a buildup. And, and I really did not like the phone calls between uh, the characters and, and the Ghostface guys because they drag on too long. The guy's voice is, so, is too ridiculous. Um, and just some of the things they talk about is so stupid. So I think that's one of the things that made me a little like, why, why are we doing this? You know, I, I liked him. Um, I don't think you could ever change your voice to sound like that on the phone, but um, it, it was pretty funny for me. And I liked all the, the movie trivia that he threw out because as a movie nerd, I was like, oh, I know that. Reference. I know this. <laughs> yeah. Like, like when he when he asked uh, Drew Barrymore's character who was the killer in the original um, Friday the 13th, I was like, ah, I guess I would have lived in that scenario. Yeah. So. Yeah. It was a nice little trick question. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, you want to go into getting to characters? Or do we yes. like the ending? Do we like the ending? I love. I thought the ending was one of the best parts. Uh, the, you the have the, you have the plot twist me. that the boyfriend is the killer, which I did like. Um, I was okay with that. I think. Yeah, he, the ending was really good. Yeah. Um, and when um, you, you know the reporter saves the day, I like that yeah. obviously too. Uh, for uh, our purposes anyway. And um, yeah, the ending made the villains of this movie a lot stronger. I think they were redeemed in the end. So. Yeah, I, I love uh, Matthew Lillard getting the TV dropped on his head. I thought that was just so funny. Yeah. That's the way to kill somebody. <laughs> yeah, the, there's definitely over-the-top kills in this movie. Yeah. And they get pretty damn creative, that's for sure. Yeah. Um so let's uh yeah let's go ahead and do our favorite characters all right who do you have as number one i like dewey he, he's just so funny and he's just kind of out of nowhere uh he, he's like an out of his depth cop and um you, you know I, I like all the comedic elements he brings to, to everything and uh, you can tell that the reporter's kind of playing in a little bit and he just kind of goes along for the ride. Um, he's just such a genuine guy that I have to put him at number one. Um, I'm going to have Courtney Cox as Gail at number one. While like the character is over the top and very inaccurate to how a journalist is um, and what their job title is, like, yeah, you just can't go live in the middle of the day like that. But... Um, I just think, I just thought she owned the she commanded the screen so the the screen not the screen the screen every time she was on it, um, and I don't know I just feel like she was her acting was on a whole nother level this in this movie despite the fact that you know the script was a little was goofy, I thought she was just she she owned the screen, and I've got to give it to her it was very entertaining to watch. Yeah, for me, Sydney would be number two. I think she's a uh, I think she's really good. Um, you, you know, final girl in a horror movie. Not not the best I've ever seen. Not Jamie Lee Curtis or anything like that, or even Shelley Duvall. But um, she's memorable, and you do kind of, like, feel for her, you know, after you find out what happened to her mom and everything and everything that she's gone through. Um, her acting was pretty strong, and she sold all the scenes that she was in pretty well, especially the reveal at the end that her boyfriend was actually this guy the entire time. 
And uh, yeah, that's why I'd give her number two. I, I did like that boyfriend backstory that uh, there was just a, you know, that, that her mom was apparently like just had ruined his family or he blamed his, her mom on ruining the family. So I did like how some of that stuff came back in the end. Um, for number two, I would say, oh, I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, we could come back and I, I could give you my number three. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So I, I would give number three to Randy. I, I like all the, by played by Jamie Kennedy, I like the comedic relief that he brought. I like the rules that he puts in place for the movie. You know, these are the stereotypical rules in a horror movie. You have to follow all of them. And you think he's going to die the entire time, but he lives by some sort of miracle. And, um, yeah, that was one of the characters that really stood out for me. And he, uh, he plays a bigger role in the second movie, too, and I was happy to see him back for that. Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and give Randy number two. He was definitely just a very entertaining character and brought brought definitely an edge to it. Um, I'm not so sure Casey Becker can't be in my top three just because of how iconic her death was and uh, how terrifying Drew Barrymore sold me on that death was pretty impressive. Yeah. So I'll give most memorable parts of that movie, mm -hmm. if not the most memorable. So I'll put uh, I'll put Dewey at number four. Uh, well, his, his character was awfully goofy. He was uh, I don't know. He, I think I think when he him and Courtney Cox start flirting, he becomes easy to cheer for. You know, so I wish he would have had a little more to do at the end instead of just getting stabbed in the back. But at the same time, it was I think that was another breaking of the horror movie trope where they was like, nah, nah, that that dumb cop actually lived. So we're good, because yeah. <laughs> that dumb cop dies in every movie, but this one, yeah. this one made it. Yeah. Uh, four would be Gale for me. Uh, the problems I had with everything that went on aside, um, she was kind of what she needed in this movie. This aggressive person that's gonna go up out of her way to get what she wants, and that's to get this story and you know write her book. And do all these other things, and she's really connected to the case in a way. And um, I liked her for what she was, and she did, you know, save the day at the end, at the end of the movie. And um, yeah, she's great. Well, it's also I also think this movie she also gives this movie a redemption angle, and redemption angles are always awesome. I mean, I, there has been some characters in TV shows that I've hated. And they have like a redemption storyline and it completely changes your opinion about the character, thus making him one of the best in the show or the movie. And I think she had a redemption angle. Like she was so hateable at the beginning and then she ends up being one of the heroes at the end and helps stop Ghostface. Yeah. And then, it's uh, cool to see her, yeah, it's cool to see her play a different kind of character too than her, her character on Friends. <laughs> And, uh, like, Monica's such a nice character, and you get her in this, and she's so different. I like that a lot, too. Yeah. No, they, she, they definitely milked her uh, stardom from Friends for this movie. And for this series, honestly. Because <laughs> she has a couple, like, near deaths. I believe in Scream 4, she actually gets shot. And then she comes back, to, and she may, ends up living in the movie. So it's just like, oh, what are they going to do? They can't kill off Courtney Cox. <laughs> yeah. Um, what number am I on? 
front four now. Okay. Uh, I'll give it to Matthew Lillard. As ridiculous as he was, he did what I needed him to do, which was give me somebody I wanted to see get it in the end. And he was just so hateable by the time uh, that TV got dropped on his face. So, therefore, I will put him at number four. He would be my number five. Like he said, he has he has a punchable face. Let's just say that. And um, you, you got to have someone that you hate. And for him to be the killer was even better. I, I think it would have been better if he was the only killer, actually. Um, but, yeah. He was um, he was over the top in a good way, and he was crazy, especially when he's uh, you know getting stabbed by Billy there at the end, and you know his own girlfriend died in that house like 20 minutes before, and he's showing no remorse. He's just a crazy character and a memorable character in my book. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. Um, I guess the last, I guess for my number five, huh. Guess for me it's between uh, Sydney and and Billy Loomis, I reckon. Um, I mean, Billy would probably be the character I didn't like. Yeah, I'm trying to decide if I like him or not. I don't know. Sydney definitely. I, I, I have mixed feelings about about the performance here, as well as you know just the role. But I do think the character is. Is someone you can feel sympathy for with the backstory, and and therefore I think uh, she gets the job done. So I'll I'll put her at number five. But it's just an odd cast of characters here. But you can tell that the cast is having an absolute blast. Yeah. Despite the fact that it's a horror movie, so I will I will give them all credit for that. Yeah, like I said, Billy was he was what it was, man. He. You saw it coming from a mile away. You saw the cell phone drop out of his pocket at one point. I just wish they did more to throw us off his scent. Um, I, I like to be surprised when it comes to movies like this. It's like a it's like a live action R rated movie, a Scooby you know version of Scooby Doo, and I want to be surprised in the end. And I wasn't surprised. No, neither was I. Uh, yeah, because they they gave you just enough scenes to be like, oh, this guy could totally be the killer. Uh. Especially the, the video store scene. It's like, okay, you two couldn't make it any more obvious what's going on here. Yeah. And that's the part. It's like, there's no way that they are, it's them because they're so obvious. And it's like, oh, nope. Yep, it's them. So, there we go. Yeah. Woohoo. <laughs> All right. Um, we want to get into our final ratings. Yeah, let's get into it. Final ratings. What? I... I would rank this movie probably a starter. It's definitely not a bad movie. Um, it's not a movie I'm going to put on all the time. It's a movie I'll probably watch, you know, during Halloween once a year. But it's it's definitely rewatchable. But you got to turn your brain off, like I've, I've said a million times throughout this thing, and. Um, yeah, take it for what it is, have fun with it, have a couple drinks, watch it with some friends, and, uh, uh, you know, you're going to have fun if you kind of lower your expectations a little bit. 
Yeah, um, I'm okay with turning my brain off, but I don't have to turn my brain off too much when I watch something. And I, I just think that, you know, it's like you said, it's not a bad movie for me, but I'm going to have to bench it. I just Plus, I haven't benched enough movies since we started doing this, so I don't think, I don't think I've given anything a bench review yet. So I'll, I'll give it a slight bench. It's, it's close to being able to go in there and be a starter, but just uh, too many discrepancies. Plus, as I said before, like I just think it's aged a little poorly now that we're seeing horror movies that can execute comedy and not have to sacrifice the seriousness of the, the material. So I, I don't know. I, I think this movie just needed to go a little more in one direction or the other instead of trying to figure out which one to be, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and I think that just makes it a little hard to watch. Yeah, and it's compare this to other Wes Craven movies, it's kind of a weird part of his filmography if you're looking at, you know, what it... It's very light. The last and oh, my God. Nightmare on Elm Street, it's just... Um, kind of a it's an interesting ad for sure yeah I, I i rewatched some scenes from last house on the left and it is just i mean it it is very interesting that he went from that to this um because last house on the left is just flat out terror disturbing uh epic revenge though you know it, it, i don't know it, it takes it and i've always been a fan of movies like this where just like you watch just complete utter evil for the first half of the movie then you watch those people just get what's coming to them later on uh yeah. which is what last house on the left is i mean it, it is and it's kind of funny because the first the, the original is actually more disturbing than the remake yeah I, I haven't seen either but i've heard things from you that we talked about it a few weeks ago and then what my fiance told me and just comparing to so what I know to this, it just is uh, completely different. For yeah, sure. no, no doubt. I mean, there's some things in here that like, uh, I guess you can kind of see the comedic aspect of it while also seeing the terror. Like there's a scene in the original Last House on the Left and where a guy, one of the villains gets his, you know what, bitten off. Oh, damn. And that's how he dies. So uh, I guess I could kind of see like that, Wes Craven in this movie a little bit with like the, the, the finding way to do it humorously, but also disturbing at the exact same time. Um, and also very over the top in a way. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, I believe Wes Craven also did Nightmare on Elm Street, correct? The original. Yeah, that movie scared the hell out of me and it still does. When, when Johnny Depp's sitting on the bed and he gets sucked in, oh my God, that just... That image stays with me for sure. Yeah, I don't uh, even know. I had to ask you that. I knew that was a fact. I I should. I don't want to discredit my, make myself sound uninformed when I'm doing a movie review podcast. <laughs> but I'm I'm pulling up his filmography right here on the the laptop. So let's see, what other Wes Craven movies we got here? Oh yeah, Hills, Hills Have Eyes. Hills Have Eyes. I heard that that's a brutal movie too. That's, yes. That's one oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's definitely not a, uh, not for the faint of heart. Um, he does Red Eye. Interesting. Oh, yeah. That's an that's an interesting one. Yeah. He's um, he's had a hand in just about all the screen movies. It looks like he's directed all of them, uh, all four. Before he unfortunately passed away a couple years ago. Um, 
they're making a Scream Five now, so it, you know it'll be interesting to see. You know what? Almost thirty years later, what these characters are up to. So. Oh yeah, well they do the reunion angle for the fourth one, don't they? I haven't seen that one. But, uh... ah, okay. All right. Well, next week we've got a. Uh... Or do we want to do reverse characters? Our least favorite? Do you want to point out any we didn't really like? Billy, number one for me. Okay. Uh, probably the principal, number two. Uh, Henry Winkler's character, he was in there for like ten minutes. Um, yeah, there were some annoying side characters. Um, Tatum was fine, I guess, as the best friend. Other stuff in there. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of them were just so... The, the principal and Tatum were just the the over-the-top characters. Yeah. So, all right. I think we are good there. All right, so next week we now we, we got in the books for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and if the World Series is still going on, we will try to do a baseball movie, I guess, again. We'll just have to figure out which one. Moneyball is on Netflix. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> we got Moneyball. The Na- I haven't seen The Natural in a long time, so that might be one I have to revisit. Bull Durham and... Jeff loves the Sandlot, but I think you might love it. You might love it too much for us to review it. So it's a top three movie for me, man. Yeah, it's gonna be super biased. We also need. I think we need to do a bad movie again, like a, a a consensus bad movie. But this time we need to pick one that has like redeemable uh, scenes and parts of it. Unlike Batman and Robin, where like there were very few redeemable parts, like. I don't. I was. I was watching YouTube clips from Alexander the other day. That might be a little too long, but it is a. It's a. It's a Razzie-nominated movie, but it's also got some pretty sweet scenes in it, like some epic action sequences, action, epic battle scenes. But yeah, it, it, the movie otherwise is a pretty big mess. So that might be a nominee. Yeah. And, um... I'm gonna think of some bad movies and uh, yeah, throw and, up a poll. and plus there's like five different editions of this movie. There's like a theatrical cut, a director's cut, a revisited, and like a final cut. Like yes. Oliver Stone re-edited this movie so many times, and I think there's like one cut where he just literally put every single scene that was shot in the movie, and just let you see everything they did. I think Oliver Stone, this is a hot take. We haven't had a hot take in this episode, but I think Oliver Stone is a pretty mediocre director. Uh, if you look at his filmography outside of like Wall Street and stuff like that, but he, he directed, you know, the George W. Bush biopic or biopic and all this other stuff. But, um, well, yeah, let's go through it. Let's go through it. Well, I don't, are you sure that my opinion of this movie wasn't a, wasn't a hot take in itself? Could have been. I mean, I'm I'm afraid Paul and Griff are gonna rip me. Griff is not gonna be happy about this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, get, while while I'm looking up his uh, filmography, so we can go through it. Go ahead and do what. Give our sponsorship some love. Yeah, we're brought to you by theracingexperts.com, your source for motorsports news and giveaways. Uh, pretty big week for them. They got their logo on the the whataburger car this weekend um Mm. at at the races so yeah you know congrats to those guys i know they've been working hard for that uh i've been pushing for our logo to be on that car too so we'll see what happens um but yeah dominic great guy good luck in the bandit racing league next sunday 
All right, so I got Oliver Stones, and we are now totally so far off topic, but whatever, we're having fun here. Uh, so he wrote Scarface and Conan the Barbarian. Um, Platoon was one of his was one of his first big movies that he directed. Uh, you have Wall Street, Born on the Fourth of July, JFK. And that's all, like, those are his first couple big, big-time movies that he has a director credit for. So that's, that's where he kind of rose to prominence, as you can see. And then you get to, like, the 2000s, and he does Wall Street 2 yeah. with Shia LaBeouf. And yeah, like well, that. I think it kind of starts, you know, he does, like, Nixon in 1995. I can't remember how that was reviewed. Um, you have Any Given Sunday in 1999, which has mixed reviews. But then it gets really bad here because after that it's Alexander, which is considered to be one of the most disappointing movies of all time. Uh, it was it, it came out around the same time Troy did, um, and a, a Lord of the Rings was still going strong at this point in pop culture, and it was just a complete bust at the box office, a bust critically. Um, yeah, it, it, the movie's kind of a mess, but it's got some beautiful it's got some beautiful set designs, some beautiful costume designs, and some pretty epic action sequences, and very historically accurate, uh, or somewhat, it, it's historically authentic, it's decently historically accurate, but at the same time, like, it's kind of hard to be 100% historically accurate when you're fixing, uh, you know, years of Alexander the Great's life into a three-hour movie. Yeah. And he does World Trade Center and W right after that. So, yeah, yeah, World Trade Center is like a, it's like a good movie, but, I mean, when you stack it up next to the other movie about 9-11 on the day of 9-11, it's between that and United 93, and United 93 just blows it away. Uh, but, you know, everyone likes to rag on Nick Cage, but, you know, World Trade Center, I think he's on fire in that movie. So, when it just shows when given the right structure, I think a good actor can succeed. Cage has an Oscar. Everyone forgets that. Mm -hmm. You know, before going off and doing Ghost Rider and all these weird things, he did. You know, he was a serious actor back in the day. That's a bad movie we should do. Is a Nick Cage movie, like a really bad Nick Cage movie. Uh, there's one called The Wicker Man, I yeah. think, where he's dressed in a pear suit. Uh, that would be one to talk about. But yeah, we got to go crazy. If we're gonna go crazy, uh, we got to go with a Nick Cage movie. I think. All right. All right. Well. We're wrapping up our Halloween month soon. So next week, I believe we'll be doing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes, sir. All right. Good seeing you, Jeff. You too, my friend. All right. Thank you, everyone, so much for joining us, and we will see you next week. <laughs>